0: Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.
1: I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's Trader Lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, and Karen Farnham. And tonight on Fast the record rally taking a breather as we gear up for earnings season. The banks kick things off at the end of the week. We'll break down the key names you need to watch straight ahead. Plus, a crypto crash, Bitcoin falling 13% at one point today. And one analyst has a way to play it. He says this payment stock will thrive. Even if Bitcoin continues to dive, we'll bring you that name. And later, the chairwoman is taking the mound to pitch her next best idea, why Karen thinks this consumer stock is about to pack on some hefty gains. We start off with new fallout this hour to the growing social media crackdown on President Trump and his supporters. More big names joining the list of tech companies blocking or limiting Trump's accounts after last week's Capitol Hill riots. And now Facebook and Airbnb just announcing new measures ahead of the inauguration. Uh, Airbnb saying that it will ban guests associated with hate groups. Facebook saying that it will stop and and take off all content with the hashtag StopTheSteal. We saw Twitter fall disproportionately compared to its rivals, down by 6.5% by day's end. We had Angela Merkel, the German chancellor, come out saying that this is a problem if CEOs can determine, you know, who can speak, especially head of state. Guy Adami, is this a problem for Twitter?
2: I think it is. I mean, specifically Twitter, yes, and I think you mentioned it manifested itself in the way the stock traded today. But I also think it's a problem that Twitter will overcome, because I will still say it's too valuable a property, and I think think it will get past this. The one that I'm most concerned about, and I've voiced some concern, whether justified or not, is Facebook. And if you look, Facebook's down 15% since its all-time high back, I think, on September 2nd. Uh, not a particularly strong day today. I think earnings at the end of the month are going to be fantastic. I'm not suggesting they won't be. But again, I'll say the existential risk to Facebook, if it, if it comes under the auspices of ESG investing, I think with each passing day, that seems to be more and more likely. And that's a thing as a Facebook shareholder, which I'm not, by the way, I would be very concerned about.
1: Let's get more on all the tech companies that are deciding to. Uh to do this, let's get to Deidre Bosa, who's done some reporting on this. Deidre.
3: Hey, Melissa, you outlined a few of the latest moves. Attention is essentially now turning to what tech is doing ahead of January 20th to prevent the chaos of last week that some critics say that they should have had a closer eye on to begin with over the last four years. Facebook in a blog post says that they are treating the next two weeks as a major civic event and they will remove content containing the phrase Stop the Steal. Airbnb, Melissa mentioned this too, expanding its trust and safety defense. That seven-step plan includes additional security checks and banning individuals that were identified as involved in criminal activity at the Capitol on January 6th. Um, But really, what started with social media has progressed over the last few days um, to expand to payments and commerce companies, even the cloud providers that power the Internet. Uh, Many Trump supporters have turned to Parler, an alternative social media platform that has drawn conservatives and far right extremists from January 6th to January 10th, the app was downloaded nearly a million times across Apple's App Store and Google Play, and that's more than 10 times the downloads that it generated across the prior five days. Today, however, the app went dark. Apple and Google pulled it from their app stores, and Amazon's AWS, its cloud unit, went a step further, essentially taking this app off the internet altogether by cutting off its cloud computing power, citing those violent posts. Now, tech also cutting off the president's and his supporters' money flow, Shopify and PayPal. They no longer sell Trump official merchandise, while payment startup Stripe cut off the president's campaign website, and fundraising arms, which is, of course, a lucrative source of income. Now, the last few days, Melissa, represent Tech's most aggressive steps yet against the president and in their efforts to purge misleading content and accounts, So the next few weeks will certainly be a big test to see if some of the policies that they have put in place, at least this roadmap, is effective in reining in some of that misinformation and organization that led to last Wednesday. Back to you.
1: All right, Deidre, thank you. Deidre Boson, I think most Americans want technology to take these steps to prevent any further civil unrest. At the same time, this really begs the question, has tech really become too powerful if it is able to incite and be the source, uh, so to speak, of of this unrest in the first place, Tim Seymour, and that's what I was getting at in terms of the criticism, particularly that, that's coming from Europe uh, about free speech and how it's problematic for free speech. Maybe in the U.S. it's not raising eyebrows, but certainly in Europe is, and Europe has been very, very um, out front in terms of regulating big tech.
4: Yeah, be, you know, be careful what you wish for now. I mean, on some level this, this censorship uh, is something maybe a lot of people agree with, but now they they're almost underlining, uh, underlining, highlighting the power that these companies have to dictate the conversation, and and, and that's something that as uh, antitrust, anti-monopoly, you know, dynamics are also coming down on these companies. It it's, it should only highlight the the power that these companies have to. Uh, dictate the course of the conversation, or so it seems, even though we've all said that the conversation needs to be regulated in some way. So this is the evolution of social media. there have been plenty of people that have said uh, on some level social media as we knew it will never exist uh, again in the same way in this country. Uh, I I agree with Guy in terms of I I think Twitter uh, is is such a powerful platform for news um, that I think that that you know that the format works and I think it will continue to work but I'm not going to tell you that this is going to be without pain for Twitter in the short term um, I also think that this creates a an opportunity for other platforms that may not be seen uh, as as volatile but most importantly um, look what advertisers are doing Uh brand friendly and at least a a brand friendly environment overall is what will probably win uh, from an economic perspective.
1: Yeah. Dan, your thoughts? I and mean, For so long, we've worried about regulation and the regulatory cloud hanging over tech, and it's never really come to fruition, just sort of hanging out there, waiting for the right. I mean, is this going to be the right time? Is this the time where regulation really becomes an issue for, for shareholders?
5: yeah I just think it's way too late and when you think about it so what are we what are people complaining about right now that um, that the that private companies could censor a public figure that's really what this argument is about yet Facebook has two point seven billion monthly active users that is one third of the people on this planet. When you think about the power that exists on that platform and the few people that run that company, how it was let to get this big and this powerful is another question and you think about Between 2016 election and the 2020 uh, election, you bookend what has happened on these platforms over the last. Four or five years, you know, we had foreign bad actors co-opt our election by uh, manipulating these platforms. And this time around, we had a president manipulate these platforms to incite a riot. So we have no control over what's going on with these platforms. They have all the control. As far as giving any praise to these or, uh, organizations doing what they're doing now, they're a little too little, a little too late. They waited until people died. As it relates to Twitter, as far as I'm concerned, and I said this last week on the show you know, they added a lot of people in Q2. They didn't add barely anybody in Q3. Three. You think it's going to get better this year than it was last year? We know why that stock sold off in late October after their Q3 report. I think uh, Twitter is going to be in a world of hurt for a while. They are not growing the way that Facebook is. They are not monetizing the users. They don't have the scale um, that Facebook does. So, you know, whether you like them or not, Facebook is still fine uh, until the advertisers leave, until users leave. But Twitter's in a much worse situation, in my opinion.
1: Karen.
6: Well, it's it's a really fine line that they're trying to walk. But think about this, though, another constituent that Twitter and Amazon are dealing with ours is their employees. Right. And I think from what i read, I'm not sure if it's true that it was really coming from pressure from the employees that made Amazon make the decision of um, shutting down uh, uh, Parler's AWS um, account. So I I don't know how they solve that. They can't just completely ignore those constituents. We'll see what kind of regulation comes, but I do think the stocks are already under pressure because of the uncertainty around regulation, right? We've seen I don't know how many lawsuits filed by attorneys general. We know that the government, both a bipartisan issue, if there are any left, is how do we rein them in. I, I think for some of them The smaller ones, if there is a lot of regulation, it's going to be hard for them to comply. I don't even know who who would be able to to do that beside the very big ones. And I think, ultimately, one day when there's certainty, they'll trade better. But that's so far from now that we have any certainty on what the regulations will be. I'm just going to try to ride it out. For me, I think Twitter has more downside. I wasn't surprised to see it open down. 11% or so. And um, when it traded back up to down, maybe, I don't know, two or three bucks down only, I actually shorted some. I think in the near term, the news flow will be very bad for Twitter. But this is not a long-term short. You could actually, I'm wondering, could somebody, uh, probably somebody, right-wing, media-oriented investors, decide to try to buy Twitter? That's possible. I mean, it's $34 billion plus whatever premium. They don't, uh, I don't see a blocking shareholder, I don't think. Uh, if I'm wrong, tweet me, tell me that uh, <laughs> Jack could block a, a deal. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's such a crazy time. Could that happen? I guess, theoretically. And suffer a fate, suffer, fate like
1: Parler. You. I mean, the interesting company, I think, here for me is Amazon. Amazon and Amazon Web Services guy, because... Amazon Web Services, as a, you know, a cl- cloud service, a hosting service, has decided that this site uh, violates its terms uh, of use. And so it has basically cut this site off, Parler, um, at the root. Uh, and, and the immense power that AWS has displayed almost begs for regulation, it seems.
2: Right. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, a lot of people calling for it clearly in its stock. I mean you go back over the last six months it's extraordinary how volatile Amazon has been. It's given you opportunities on both sides of the ledger but I guess then the the back the question back to you or the rest of the guys and gals comes I mean what are people more apt to give up Uh, you know their Amazon accounts which by the way I don't even think I have one or their Facebook accounts I'll tell you flat out that if I never spend another day on Facebook that'll be fine by me and I'm sure a lot of people probably agree whereby Amazon's become one of those things where it's now part of everyday life. So it's a, it's an interesting conversation in the context of what we try to do, figure out where stocks are going. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Let's talk more about the fallout from the social media crackdown on President Trump. Joining us now is Rich Greenfield, partner and co-founder of LightShed Partners. Rich, great to have you with us. Um, you've got a buy rating. You continue to have a buy rating on Twitter. And I'll just start the conversation off there. And so presumably you think that this is not a big deal for Twitter. That the looming threat of regulation is not a big deal for twitter even though an eu commissioner a german chancellor has come out and said basically that this is a problematic breach of the first amendment you don't think that regulation is a problem
7: you know look i'd say that we see lots of forms of regulation or threats of regulation but let's be clear Uh, look at how divided our government is i mean just look what happened in the elections The, the main election even the runoff last week our country is you know, razor thin margin uh, of in terms of kind of how we see major issues, the odds of sort of transformative legislation happening anytime in the next 12 months, probably in the next several years is quite challenging. The only thing I know for sure is it's going to take a very, very long time to get to consensus on very complicated issues that I don't have the answer of. I just listening to you all debate. Nobody. These are very challenging questions. I mean, think about the fact that you know, think about what we're talking about. If, if, the, if we change the topic instead, in, 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 instead of overtaking the capital, if it was about distributing child pornography, there's no doubt everyone would have a consensus view. It's good that, you know, it's good that Google takes it down. It's good that Facebook takes it down. It's good that Twitter takes it down. Is it a bright line red rule that, you know, overthrowing the government, in, in being the, the president willfully telling people to go overthrow the government, is that a bright line rule that should be kind of viewed the same way? That's clearly what you know, is being done here, that there was a clear view that this is something that just cannot stand and they have to take action. We can debate whether it's OK, but I think you're going to see years of legislation probably go nowhere to try to get to the right answer on this.
5: Hey, hey, Richard, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, if you listen to the conversation before, you know we were talking about obviously the difference in scale between uh, Facebook and Twitter, and one of the reasons why you know I just have to be pessimistic about Twitter here is before all this happened, sure. you know, in Q three they only had a million net ads. I have to think they go X growth here when you consider the fact that Facebook's going to have a bill, hundred billion dollars in sales well, next well, what, year. But, growing at twenty. Well, but but hold on, Dan.
7: But hold on. Let's just stop. Yeah. Remember that the only thing that's happening here is a political discussion for everyone you you may be far right you know you could be QAnon. I don't care how far right you are in in terms of your political views uh, on these issues you may be Trump's biggest fans if you want to know what happened with the Golden State Warriors last night or if you love Charlie D'Amelio she speaks to her fans on Twitter I mean Yes, President Trump is now gone from Twitter. First of all, a lot of his supporters are still very much on Twitter because they want to be involved in the debate. And if you go to even a platform like Parler, the problem with Parler was it was only right-wing discussion, and there's not the broader conversation that happens every day on Twitter. I mean, politics is a small part. I mean, we're talking, you know, low-teens percentage of total content on Twitter. Twitter's about entertainment. It's about, you know, sports. I mean, you want to know what happened in the game. Like, it is a... A critical source of information that goes so far beyond politics. I get it. Rich. So- I'm
5: on. T- so- rich, rich, rich. My- I'm on Twitter, yeah. just like you are. But what I'm saying is, listen for one second. What I'm saying here is that in Q3 they had 1 million net ads, and that was about as good as it got with all the sports coming back and everything. So take politics out of it. Take a guy who had 90 million followers and a bunch of cult uh, followers on there. Even if you take that out, I'm not being political. I'm talking yeah, yeah. about the numbers here. and I'm talking about their advertising. I'm ta- so what I'm saying is it's not growing. It's growing at 15% a year at best in sales right now. That's what I'm saying.
7: Users have doubled over the last two years. There was clearly a pull forward effect. I mean, we've seen pull forward effects. I mean, look what Reed Hastings said for Netflix. The pandemic in Q2 certainly had a pull forward effect from the rest of the year. I think there's no doubt about that. But if you think about what really drives Twitter, it's not just sports coming back. There's no doubt, but think about the return of just live events. I mean, so much in terms of product launches, events. I mean, as life gets back to normal, it may be more second half than first half, given what's unfortunately happening with the pandemic. But I think there's probably no better company position for the return of events. That's what Twitter was built for in terms of its ad spend. And look, the reality is in terms of the future of Twitter, It probably has less to do with any form of specific content than monetizing its users better. It has now built a very substantial, as you point out, they had pretty incredible growth year over year throughout the first, you know, uh, the first nine months of, of 2020. What they need to do is monetize better. I mean, the flywheel that drives Facebook. It's not the big brands. I mean, what everyone gets wrong about Facebook is it's not the, the big companies. It's not the Coke. It's not the PNGs, It's all of those small businesses all around the world that drive. I mean, Facebook has 10 million advertisers because of direct response advertising. Twitter is building that. They're slow. They're late. There's no doubt about it. That's what's hurt the stock was the delay in their movement into performance advertising is what's hurt the stock coming out of October but the reality is you're gonna see that refreshed and a real new initiative around what they call map 2.0 in 2021 that's what investors should be focused on they're having an analyst day I believe in February I think that's what's gonna really create increased momentum around this stock is getting the advertising piece because you're right monetizing users is all people are gonna care about they have enough users now it's about monetizing
1: so so we have 15 20 seconds left, Rich. bottom line for us at the end of the day these social platforms will feel no impact from what has gone on in washington dc
7: you know i would never say no impact i mean there's no doubt that people freaked out about sort of the 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 near-term impact but i think the reality is these are core parts of our daily lives and i don't think you know you may be okay leaving facebook most people are not okay leaving instagram most people are not okay around the world leaving whatsapp it's very hard to get away these platforms are a core part of life whether we like it or not and in some ways These platforms are almost becoming equally important to the future of the world as the governments themselves and the regulators themselves. And that's that's a very difficult issue that's going to take years for regulators to figure out.
1: Rich, always great to get your thoughts. Thank you.
7: Thanks for having me, Melissa.
1: First Greenfield Lightshed Partners. What does that say about our society if technology is becoming that powerful? Um, Tim Seymour, do you agree that at the end of the day, there is very little impact? There will be very little impact. On these social media platforms?
4: Well, I, I, I personally, first off, agree that regulators around the world, and we've talked a lot about what's going on in China, I don't think this is an attack on Jack Ma as much as it is regulators having to get a hold of, of uh, you know, major financial platforms and social media and e commerce in China as well. And, and obviously, China, where the state is involved in every transaction. But back to these companies. Rich also mentioned the ad spend. I, I I think there are going to be winners and losers in terms of where advertisers feel there is a more brand friendly. And, and clearly, you know, following Snap uh, and following that chart, and also following you know, their ability to maybe uh, stand out of the way of some of this, I think is clear. Guys, Pinterest is another place where I think it's a less controversial place for advertisers. Again, it's not for all advertisers, um, but I, I I do think there is uh, a case here. We've. Uh, Guy also brings up the the ESG component of where Facebook's probably got some uh, some targets on its back. But um, as much as I've been critical, cynical about Facebook, uh, I I do think that right now, unless you take it apart and where I think the sum of the parts might be worth more than it is right now, um, I I think it's going to be very difficult to change the story there.
1: All right. Coming up. Banking on Walmart, the big news that got this stock moving higher in the after hours. What is it and how traders are playing it? But first, shares of Eli Lilly getting a shot in the arm today. We'll tell you the headline that sent the stock surging when Fast Money returns.
0: Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Breaking news
1: out of the White House. Kayla Tash has got the details. Kayla. Kayla.
8: Well, Melissa, uh, acting Secretary of Homeland Security Chad Wolf has just uh, released a letter to colleagues at the agency saying that he will be stepping down from his post early uh, due to recent events, which he says include recent meritless court rulings uh, regarding the validity of his authority to lead the agency. Uh, It is perhaps not a surprising departure because we had expected that there could be more cabinet level resignations in the wake of the siege on the Capitol last Wednesday, but it is particularly Interesting timing for Wolf to be one that is departing, especially as uh, there are still incitements to violence across the country. There are FBI field offices uh, and uh, law enforcement that are preparing uh, for potential armed protests at state houses around the country. And it is a time where the security of the homeland is is still continually under threat. It also, Melissa, comes as President Trump is expected to make a trip uh, to the U.S.-Mexico border tomorrow. That is normally uh, a trip that someone like the acting secretary would have made with the president, appeared in photo ops alongside him. But clearly because Wolf is stepping down from his post leading the agency and ceding the reins to the the FEMA administrator, uh, he will not be in that role and he will not be serving the administration until January 20th. Melissa. Kayla, thank
1: you. Kayla Tausche. Uh, let's check out shares of Eli Lilly topping the tape today, rising nearly 12 percent on some promising results from its Alzheimer's drug. Meg Terrell's got the details. Meg.
9: Hey, Melissa. Well, these results were a surprise. This is a drug that's in phase two, relatively small study uh, looking at early symptomatic Alzheimer's disease. And what they found was that this drug um, helped slow the declines in cognition and function that you see with this Alzheimer's disease. Uh, by 32% versus placebo. Now, this is a drug that goes after those amyloid beta plaques in the brain, the same approach we've seen the industry take over and over to no success. And we should note that this is probably years from proving out uh, to actually work and really get through uh, the FDA if it does prove out in bigger trials, but clearly providing a lot of hope here today um, for the market anyway. You also are seeing shares of Biogen getting buoyed on this news because they are up at the FDA uh, with their all. Alzheimer's drug up 6% today, um, expecting a decision on aducanumab by March. And that drug has the same mechanism of action, not identical, but also going after amyloid plaques. Um So that was one of the big news stories. Uh, really out of the J.P. Morgan conference today, we're going to have Eli Lilly's CEO, Dave Ricks, on with us tomorrow morning, talk all about this and their efforts in COVID and other parts of their business, uh, along with Pfizer CEO, Albert Borla, coming up in 8 a.m. Big guests throughout the day tomorrow. Mel?
1: We've been through this before, Megan, specifically with, with Alzheimer's drugs and, and early data. But the bottom line here is that there needs to be a much bigger trial to confirm this.
9: There does, yeah. I was talking with some experts, and they were estimating maybe four to five years before we figure out if this works. You know, aducanumab from Biogen has been a multi-year effort. And that's why, in addition to the burden of the disease, it's so heartbreaking um, to finally see these not work. So you have to cross your fingers that this one it uh, will work, but it will take some time to prove.
1: All right. Meg, thank you. Meg Terrell. Um, Guy Dami, I know you follow this company very closely. Mm-hmm. We've seen this before. We've been on this roller coaster. What would you do if you if you're an Eli Lilly with a 12 percent gain in one day on this one early stage uh, drug result? 272 patients were in this particular trial. What would you do?
2: Are you a fan of the Steve Miller band by any chance?
1: I've heard of him from you. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: I mean, it's a lousy song. There's a lot of reasons to like Steve Miller, and this is one of their worst songs. But I would take the money and run here. Just on the back of the fact that it's up 10%, huge volume. day traded, I think, almost four times normal volume. And you're coming into earnings, I believe, on the 29th of January. Not to say that I don't still like Eli Lilly. We've been steadfast on Lilly for quite some time. But when you have a move of this magnitude with this kind of volume on something that's in phase two and to Meg's point, it's probably not going to come to fruition for three or four years from now. I think the market just gave you a gift, Mel. All
1: right. That CEO interview tomorrow should be a good one, David Ricks. Uh, we've got a lot more ahead here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next.
2: All eyes on earnings as we count down to the first big reports of the year. And it could be a big one. We'll talk to one top strategist about why he thinks we're in for a wave of good news. And later, Bitcoin could boom or bust. But there's one company that could get a boost either way. We'll tell you what it is and how it can help you play the crypto craze. We've got that and a lot more when Fast Money returns.
0: Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Stocks are treating from record highs today, but the real moment of truth of the market may come later this week when big banks kick off earnings season. J.P. Morgan, Citi, Wells Fargo on top with Q4 results, and our next guest predicts earnings season will exceed expectations. Jonathan Golub is a chief U.S. equity strategist, head of quantitative research at Credit Suisse. Jonathan, great to have you with us. Good to be here. You think the reopening is going to be much, much stronger than everybody thinks and that earnings are going to be great. Guidance is going to be great. Um, Isn't that what the month of December was all about, though, when the S&P 500 went up about 100 points?
10: I, I think some of that is. I think that the market is anticipating another fantastic earnings season, and the market is probably discounting that. I don't think the market is discounting the surge of economic activity that's going to happen once everybody gets this vaccine and everybody gets these uh, these dollars in their pocket and starts spending money so um, I
1: think there's a lot more good news ahead so so in terms of uh, the markets not estimating that in terms of the vaccine. I mean, our company is gonna go out on that limb and say, you know what, we think the vaccine's gonna come, we think it's gonna be distributed, and we think economic activity is going to to be stronger than we think, and so therefore, we're going to raise our guidance, our guidance is gonna be strong. I mean, it it takes that next step, right, (laughs) of of company confidence to go out there if we're going to expect guidance to be good coming out of this earnings season.
10: You know, I, I think that there's this feet dragging that's going on by everyone, I mean, listen, There's no such thing as a model, um, whether it's an analyst or a strategist or an economist, that can tell you what this is going to look like. And when you don't have a a frame of reference, you play it safe and you put your numbers in a little bit lower. So even if companies tell you that they're looking for a really big second half to 2021, whatever they tell you is going to, on average, be too low. The same thing for stock analysts. And that's why... Earnings revisions in the last you know, couple of months have been fantastic. Analysts keep adjusting their estimates higher as they get more news. That's why earnings season is going to be higher. And that's why I think the whole year is going to end up um, with, with more positive moves on earnings.
6: Jonathan's Karen. Thanks for coming on. Let me just ask you, as the economy heats up again, are you afraid at all about inflation and whether that could ultimately hamstring the Fed?
10: Yeah, Karen, I, I think that's going to be the big conversation we're going to have. I just don't think we're going to have it until probably the end, of, uh, the end of this calendar year. But here's what's going to happen. This thing is going to open up, and people are going to have more money in their pockets, and this, this economy is going to beat economic expectations. And you're going to start to see inflation, not because of wages going up, which is a normal way, but you're going to see shortages. You're going to see demand for products and supply chains opening up, that are not going to be able to meet the the needs, and inflation's going to to spike up on us. The the thing the Fed knows that that's not the kind of sustained long term inflation that they normally focus on, and they're going to let it run a little bit hot. But but I promise you that if you have me back here next January, we're all going to be saying that the Fed is behind the curve, that that they that they in fact left policy too stimulative. And the same thing with all this money we're putting in people's hands. So great news for now. And in a year from now, we'll debate whether there was too much of this or not.
1: Jonathan, great to see you. Thank you. Pleasure. Jonathan Golub, he's got a $4,200 S&P target. Favorite sectors, financials, healthcare. also likes the energy, industrials. Um, We started off talking about the banks. Um, So, Karen, I'll go back to you as a bank shareholder. What are you expecting in terms of guidance. What are we expecting from the banks? Because a lot, I mean, there are high expectations given the six-month chart here.
6: Right. There are high expectations, but I think that the net interest margin spread, that's what everyone's excited about as the yield curve gets steeper. But I think we're not even going to really fully see those effects because going into the fourth quarter, the 10-year was at 66 basis points. And now it's at 100 and, I don't know, 14, 15. So we're not even going to get to see the full NIM spread expansion. So maybe the headline's a little disappointing, but when you hear the commentary, that's going to be really important and what they're seeing in the economy and, of course, credit quality. But I'm optimistic. I'm long banks.
1: Our friend Mohamed El-Aryan um, had tweeted earlier today, 20 basis points of steepening in the curve in the first five trading sessions of the year, which is absolutely remarkable, Guy Adami. Will we see that in any way, shape, or form in bank guidance?
2: In the guidance, it's interesting if they'll speak to that. My sense is they will. So obviously that's a positive, as Karen just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Think about how quickly it's happened. And Again, the, the move in rates has been staggering. Ten-year yields have more than doubled, I think, over the last six months, which is, I think, concerning. And if they continue to move at this pace, what is clearly a positive right now is quickly going to turn into a negative. Uh, with that said, quickly, if you're looking for a place to, to figure out where these stocks are going, you know when J.P. Morgan tells you what their tangible book is, which they will when they release, I think you'd put a 1.8 multiple on that, and that's where the stock is headed.
1: All right, coming up, EV maker Neo revving up to all-time highs today. We spotted a trade that suggests gains are only accelerating from here. We'll bring it to you. But first, the chairwoman is winding up for a fast pitch. Why Karen thinks this stock could see sizable gains thanks uh, to your New Year's resolution. That name when fast money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Stock's in the red today, but our Karen Feinerman says there is one name that could see some major gains as the new year gets underway. She's stepping up to the plate with her fast pitch. Karen, take it away.
6: Yes. So my fast pitch is WW International, and you might not know it by that name, but you do know it by its old name, which is Weight Watchers. So there's a lot of reasons I like it. But first, let's go to valuation, which is where I always start. So the PE multiple here is 14-ish on this year's, but it's actually closer to 11 for next year's earnings, which for a brand as valuable as this is just way too cheap. And I know they have debt, but they've been paying it down and they've done a great job with their balance sheet. Second, this is the most important part, the acceleration of their switch to digital. That was that started when COVID started. So they've had to make that shift really, really quickly. And they've done a very good job doing it. And even though They are losing subscribers who are in the studio subscription model. They gained a lot of subscribers who are digital only. And the thing about a digital subscriber is it is so much more valuable than a studio subscriber. So even though they lost subscribers in studio and they gained some in digital, they were able to increase their gross margin, get their expenses under control, and increase their operating margin. That is really significant. That's a very important part of the story. And the last thing, the total addressable market, the TAM. That is the acronym for our era right now. And in this case, the TAM expanded, literally. People in America all over are gaining weight. I can tell you, I can eat a lot more calories in 45 minutes just snacking while I'm bored than I can burn off on my Peloton doing a Jen Sherman class. But I I don't mean to be glib. I know there are a lot of people in America who don't have enough food. And my family foundation has made a donation to try to help that. But back to Weight Watchers, they've also expanded their business. It's not just about weight loss. It's also about fitness. It's about wellness. It's about sleep. And they added a great new brand, Ambassador James Corden, who I think is excellent. And of course, they still have Oprah. So you put all those things together, and I think this stock is just way too cheap here. And I've been buying it since 21 began, only this year.
1: And they've got Oprah through 2025, 20 because they just re-signed the, the relationship with Oprah. Um, Tim, you got a question?
4: Yeah, i buy anything James Corden selling. But Karen, what's more important, digital <laughs> or secular, to this story?
6: Digital. Digital is going to drive this story.
1: All right. No more questions, time to vote. Are you buying Karen's pitch on Weight Watchers? Uh, Guy Dami, we'll start with you.
2: Could you read my smart board for me because I wrote this prior to. Can you read that,
1: please? It says Oprah with
2: an (laughs) exclamation point. I mean, she's the greatest activist investor of all time. Remember when she said she was involved where that stock went? You know, another foray into the, the, the world of Oprah, and that stock doubles from here. Good for Karen
1: up 450% since Oprah's initial investment back in 2015. It's remarkable. Uh, Dan Nathan, what do you say?
5: Yeah, I'm a buyer. I I thought that was a great power pitch. She covered so many different areas. Um, And Karen is a great value investor, too, not
4: just Oprah as the activist investor. Tim? Clean sweep. Uh, That's a big person with a big addressable market. That's the story here. I I think uh, that's what makes Weight Watchers exciting. Lifestyle wellness. That's the story.
1: All right. Traders have voted. It's your turn to vote out there. Are you buying Karen's Fast Pitch on WW? Head to our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money to Vote. We've got the results later in the show. Up next, Bitcoin having a bad day, but our next guest has a way to play the weakness. Why he says this payment stock is the real winner here. We'll bring you the trade when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Walmart shares jumping in the after hours as the retailer announces a new fintech startup. Kate Rooney's got the details. Hey, Kate.
8: Hey, Melissa. Walmart is launching a new standalone fintech company. The retail giant is partnering with venture capital firm Ribbit to develop what they call modern and affordable
1: financial solutions. This is going to be a separate company that's majority owned by Walmart with financial
8: products for employees and for customers. Walmart's CFO and U.S. CEO will sit on that company's board. And Walmart says that they'll bring on more independent industry experts.
1: They may also acquire or partner with some other fintechs. No word yet on exactly when that will launch and what it's going to look like, whether it's more banking products or payments. Walmart's partner here, we should say, Rivet Capital, is one of the best-known VCs in financial technology. Its current portfolio includes Robinhood and Credit Karma, as well as a firm which is expected to go public this week, Melissa. Back to you. All right. Thank you very much, Kate Rooney. Um, Dan Nathan. You know we looked at Walmart in very different ways since there was that uh, report that it was interested in buying, in part, TikTok. And now look at it. It's, it's in fintech.
5: Yeah, well, fintech makes a lot more sense than TikTok, as far as I'm concerned. When you think about their customer base, you think about how they may not be adequately served by existing financial institutions. Um, With Walmart's reach, it gives them a great opportunity partnering with a um, fintech uh, investment firm like Ribbit. I mean, it seems like a home run, just optionality to me.
1: All right, let's move on. Bitcoin plunging 7% today, despite its epic rally over the past two months. Our next guest says if the cryptocurrency flies or dives... Square will still thrive. Let's bring in Dan Dolov, the analyst over at Mizuho with this call. Dan, great to have you with us.
11: Thank you, Melissa. Always a pleasure being here.
1: How, how does that work? Because you're estimating that a Bitcoin reaches $100,000 a coin by year end, gross profits um, could be up nine times. This is a, a gross profits for, for the cash app. Um, but if it's 10,000 by year end, it could still double. How does that math work?
11: Exactly. So we did some work. We looked all the way back to 2017. And what we found out is that the revenue from Bitcoin for Square continues to go up, even in periods where Bitcoin actually doesn't go up, right? So right now we've had a rally, a massive rally, since uh, December or even November. So that's easy to think about Bitcoin going to 100,000. But historically, even in periods where it was going down, the uh, gross profit from Bitcoin has been going up. And the reason for that is twofold. One, there's more users actually. Using or trading Bitcoin on the Cash App, and two, the number of transactions per user is going up. So what we've said in the note is that even if Bitcoin goes up to you know 100,000 or stays at you know 30,000 or 10,000, Square will still benefit from it.
1: Do the dynamics change if the people who are on the Cash App trading, quote unquote, trading Bitcoin actually don't trade as much and they simply hold as Bitcoin goes higher or lower, for that matter?
11: Yeah, obviously. So it has to do with the, the engagement that's mm-hmm. going up because of the Bitcoin volatility. So if Bitcoin stays very volatile, I actually think it boosts engagement. And so if, if Bitcoin just stays at a certain price and, and does not move, that wouldn't be as good for the engagement on the app. Not just Square, but pretty much everyone else that's offering you know Bitcoin trading.
1: Right. You've done work also on PayPal and its relationship to Bitcoin. Do you see the same sorts of trends or is PayPal... Um, more vulnerable to the volatility of Bitcoin.
11: Absolutely. We're seeing seeing the exact same trends on PayPal. The only difference between PayPal and Square is that PayPal's offering just started in November. What we saw in November is that nearly 20% of the uh, user base has already started trading two weeks out of the gate. So I would imagine this number is much bigger now. I would expect the exact same trends to work for PayPal, with the one difference is that Square's offering is much more broad-based, which means that the trend, the engagement on the Cash App, right, we're talking about the the Cash App, the engagement on the Cash App has much more meaning to other products like stock trading, you know, like P2P, mm-hmm. which is on, on the PayPal app or Venmo, uh, it's still yet more limited right now, but they're working on it, and you should expect more and more products to come there as well.
1: Dan, thank you. You're welcome. Dan Dolov of, of, of Mizuho. Guy Dami, simple question:
2: PayPal or Square? Yeah, I think honestly, PayPal. I think not. I probably would have given you a different answer two weeks ago, but Square traded up to two forty-six. I think on December twenty-second, just did it again on January eighth. So short-term double top at these levels. PayPal over Square, Mel.
1: Same to you, Tim.
4: It'd probably be Square. Uh,
1: And
4: and I, I hate the price. I hate the valuation. But it's a would you rather. I have to give you an answer. Uh, I do think the cash app, the stickiness, the cross-selling, Square clearly uh, has not only an ecosystem but a very loyal following, and their ability to monetize this group is proven. Uh, It does seem to be overly hinged to Bitcoin pricing right now.
1: All right. Coming up, Neoshares charging higher. Options traders are betting on an even more electric rally, if that's possible. The trade next. And what is the skinny on Karen's pitch? Head to our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money and vote. Let us know your take on WW. The results when Fast Money comes back. Big interview on deck tomorrow. GM CEO Mary Barra joining Phil LeBeau exclusively. Be sure to catch at 1130 a.m. Eastern time here on CNBC. Let's stick with autos. Neo zooming to record highs after the EV maker announced plans for a new sedan. Wall Street loving the news. You can read about it on our website, cnbc.com slash pro. In the meantime, let's bring in Bono and Eisen. He spotted some interesting activity in the options market. Uh, Bono, and what'd you see?
2: Yeah, thanks, Mel. So yeah, the EV momentum continues for sure. So taking a look at NEO, you can see that calls outpace puts three to one. And if you jump forward and look at the implied vol, you can see that options are implying about 11% move in either direction between now and Friday. And the trade that really jumped out to me, about 85,000 of the the Jan 15th weekly, 65 weekly calls traded, about 310, placing your break even at 6810, or about 109% of current spot. I personally like selling an upside call against this, given the implied vol move, but bullish momentum nonetheless in NEO.
1: NEO is one of those stocks (laughs) that has really benefited from this whole um, retail trading wave guy. And this enthusiasm surrounding EVs in general. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? I haven't, I mean. No, no. What's so because funny? Because
2: I love the B ice breaker As you, there, A lot of things are funny. There are many things that are funny. It's funny when Alabama wins by, you know, 28 tonight. It's funny. Just a lot of things are funny. What else is funny is the fact that K-Fine in 09 pitched the Weight Watchers, or whatever they call themselves now, and the stock's up 10% in the after hours. And this is not a wow. small company. so. I mean, she's got the Midas touch. Back to you.
1: No, no. comment on Neo. Okay, we'll take that. Bonowin, always good to see you. <laughs> Bonowin, Eisen. My
2: pleasure.
1: For more options, action, be sure to tune into the full show Friday, 5:30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, time is running out. Head on over to our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money to vote for Karen's pitch on WW. Apparently, lots of people are buying into this. Literally, the results right after this quick break. Are you all buying Karen's pitch on WW International? Mm-hmm. Apparently, yes. By a slim margin, 50.1%. And the after hours, it's up 11%. Wow. So maybe that's the true arbiter uh, of, the, of the pitch, Karen, of 10%. Time for the final trade. That's how divided we are. <laughs> Let's go around the horn. Guy Dami.
2: Uh, Halliburton in earnings on the 19th
1: caught off guard, didn't I? Tim Seymour.
2: You did.
4: Yeah, I'd say, I'd say the move in energy stocks overall has been girthy. EOG is one of the best of breed alternative players in the U.S.
1: Karen Feinerman. Yeah, so I have to go
6: with my, my fast pitch. I like Weight Watchers, WW.
1: Dan Nathan.
5: Yeah, I like Karen's pitch too, but Twitter, if you see it over 50 in the next couple days, it'd be a seller.
1: All right. Thank you all for watching Fast Money. See you back here tomorrow at 5. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.
0: Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success